Hello there. Welcome back to this Human Life Podcast. I'm Melissa Sonova and this is the companion podcast to the book This Human, um, episode 16 and uh, we are at chapter 2, which um, starting on page uh, 45, um, if you are listening for the first time, this is a uh, kind of a hybrid audiobook slash podcast uh, intended to go a little bit deeper um, into the content of um, a book I wrote um, on how to be the person designing for or with other people. Um, and uh, chapter two is all about envision. You don't need to have the book to be able to follow what I'm saying, hopefully, um, if you've got the book, obviously, the invitation is there to follow along. I tend to stop and tell stories and um, give examples and, and that sort of thing. So hopefully it will be beneficial regardless. All right, let's get going. Uh, chapter 2, page 45. Chapter 2 is about envision or envisioning. Using your imagination to envision a scenario, create impact and visualize the pathway to reality. That sounds awesome. Let's do that. Um, each chapter has got a little, um, mm, what do you call this, a mind mappy thing, mm, maybe um, the intention of these little mind maps at the beginning of each chapter was to A, collect my thoughts to basically make sure that everything kind of hung together nicely and elegantly and it didn't feel like a you know, disparate, weirdly put together smorgasbord of ideas. <laughs> it sort of fulfills the purpose of a, like a little um, contents page at the beginning of um, each chapter. So the one for chapter two, which is on page 46, um, reads something like this. To create anything of meaningful impact, you will need to think big. To create your vision of impact scenarios and a pathway through. This will need your intuition, imagination and curiosity to avoid legacy thinking and solution seduction. So each one of those things um, we're going to unpack in this um, chapter. All right, page 47. Creating something new starts with having a vision and being able to describe it. After having an initial insight, you start to see how this idea might sit in a new alternative reality and the potential impact it could have on the world. Don't be afraid to think big. Your ideas have to be bold to survive the treacherous journey from existing purely in your mind to becoming a reality. The biggest barrier to this kind of work is your legacy thinking, the way you were taught to think during school and by society. We'll take a look under the hood and focus specifically on linear and non-linear thinking and how to avoid solution seduction. Try and say that really quickly. Linear and non-linear. Um, so chapter two. This chapter explores how to use your imagination to create impact scenarios that will direct your work and how to navigate the path from idea to reality. To do this work, you need imagination, curiosity and intuition. So we also explore these in a different context. And the reason why I'm saying that is we... Um, had a bit of fun with imagination in chapter one as well and I think also the all the mindsets and stuff that we covered are also relevant um, to this chapter as well as you know makes sense everything kind of builds on the previous thing 
Okay, um, quote, we participate in the forming of the future by virtue of our capacity to conceive of and respond to new possibilities and to bring them out of imagination and try them in actuality. Rollo May. A clear vision. Working with the early stages of design can be liberating and fun. This is when you are playing with thoughts and ideas in your mind, where, ideally, there are no restrictions and anything is possible. The first step towards bringing your work into the world is to give it form in your mind. While it remains difficult to see, it will also be difficult to describe. Even if your idea isn't a tangible product, it might be a system, a service, a vision for a community or an alternative model for value. You need to start giving it some shape to enable it to become a reality. Having a vision is like holding an image in your mind. Being able to formulate this vision is essential. I just, I feel like I just need to say something there. Um, not all of us are visual thinkers, so... Um, when the word vision is a little bit, I think, uh, misleading because it just assumes that you are going to get a sort of a, a visual picture in your mind's eye about the thing that it, that it is that you're trying to create. And some people just don't experience ideas that way. They'll experience them um, as, as, you know, words, as sentences, as something that they might hear. Or it'll be... Um, uh, a feeling and they'll need to sort of move around to be able to understand how to put words around it. Um, so the word vision uh, is a little bit, I think, um, limiting actually in the way that people experience this this part of um, the design process. So when you're conceiving of an idea or conceiving of a way to bring insights together into something meaningful. Right, so being able to formulate this vision is essential. This becomes the blueprint you use to bring it into reality. In order to manifest your idea into reality, you must first be able to visualize it in your mind's eye. As I said before, that's the caveat. You need to hold it there, build on it, change it, morph it, stretch it, and learn from it. You need to keep this vision clear and updated because this vision will guide your thoughts, decisions, and of course, your actions. The other thing that I want to say is that um, your vision is not necessarily fixed at this time. So because it's informing your um, thoughts and decisions and your actions, um, hopefully you will have an open mind and a beginner's mind and you will be learning from those actions and learning from uh, experimenting with those thoughts and then updating your vision. Um, creation follows vision. Humans are the only species on earth, as far as we know, who have the capacity to imagine something and then bring it into reality in a grand way. The act of bringing an idea into reality is design and creation. This includes all traditions of creation, engineering, humanities, arts, business, science, and even parenthood, exclamation mark. Whatever we think, we can create. This also means we need to be vigilant about what we think so that we create things we intend to and use our creative powers for good. Envision what's possible. We are used to thinking about envisioning in the context of idea generation and creation rather than in the context of research and working with insights. Your findings are informed by what you have observed in context of your research, analysis and synthesis. You are the best person to communicate the work. You have the deepest understanding of what you have seen and what it means. 
Envisioning is the process of bringing a scenario to life. Scenarios can be a bit tricky. They can prescribe solutions, which is not what we want to do at this stage. We want to envision the outcome as the experience of a new alternate reality, rather than the specific solutions that make up that reality. This is a subtle difference, but a very important one. Sometimes people worry they aren't able to create images of what's possible. Some people think in images, something can sound. Yeah, it happens again. It happens all the time. I tell a story and then it turns out later I've written about it. Anyway, um, regardless of how our mind works, we all have the innate ability to bring together ideas and describe a future outcome, solution or impact. To access this innate ability, we first need to believe that we can. Um, the, uh, there's a couple of things there. So the first one is, um, the scenarios can be a bit tricky. They can prescribe solutions. So further on in the design process, um, when we're using, you know, scenarios and personas together to be able to, um, bring to life a specific solution. In fact, scenarios can be used as a form of prototyping, um, you know, a use case and, and that sort of thing. We are way, way earlier on in the design process at this point where we're really just in our minds um, creating, conceiving of what's possible, imagining an alternate future, um, alternate reality. Sometimes at that point when people become um, reliant on a solution to actualize that reality, that can create attachment and solution seduction, which we'll get to, I think, in this chapter. So the reason why I, I have a focus here on outcomes is so that we are focused on the reality that we're ultimately in service of creating together and not yet fixed on the how. We're just fixed on um, the why and we're fixed on, well, not even fixed, um, but we're clear on why we're creating and we're clear on the outcomes that we ultimately um, are in service of. But the way that we get there, the how, um, we still need to work out. At this point, it's important to just remember that we need to protect ourselves from becoming too enamored with a particular solution. Um, and then the other thing about, you know, the last sentence, which is to access this innate ability, we first need to believe we can. I think, you know, there have been many situations where I've been in a room asking people to imagine what's possible, um, sort of just stretching the thinking gently um, around their you know, current perceived reality and, and um, what change might look like. And it's not too uncommon that someone in the room will say, look, this isn't, this isn't a strength of mine and I can't, I can't imagine anything other than what's right in front of me. And I know and acknowledge that um, everyone has different strengths and abilities and some people are really good at it and some people it's not one of their strengths. Um, but for as long as we tell ourselves that we can't do something is always the case. <laughs> so it's from that place that I'm, I'm sharing that sentence at the end of that paragraph, which is to access this innate ability, we first need to believe that we can. I'm not necessarily saying that everyone is like a brilliant um, visionary, uh, <laughs> certainly is a talent, but I'm inviting people to um, believe that they can do things that perhaps they think they can't, just to give them a bit of a head start. Um our ability to create new realities relies heavily on our ability to visualize them. We're up to page uh, 52. Making space for visions. For visions to take up residence in our minds, 
they need to feel welcome. New ideas need a whimsical, mad hatter's tea party environment, a fertile place, free from critique and judgment, to give them time to incubate. Our minds are usually the complete opposite of this. They are filled with tasks to be completed, distractions to be avoided, and evidence to be found. It is your responsibility to create a safe space for new ideas. You have already explored your beliefs and biases and the role they play in affecting your capacity for insight. The concepts in the previous chapter will help you cultivate the right environment in your mind to help with your visualisation. While the idea is still in your head and heart, you can bend the rules that govern your experienced reality. This is a precious time, so make the most of it. Spend it exclusively on visualising your idea. Be aware that you will start bumping up against the constructs of your current world order. Use your imagination to design around constraints, egos, politics, law and societal norms. Remember to be playful in your work. Do some drawing, buy some modelling clay or building blocks, take yourself out on an inspiration excursion. Being playful with your idea also helps break a cycle of solution seduction so you can stop taking your idea and vision so seriously. Remember, important isn't the same as serious. Be vigilant about the thoughts you let into your mind. Your mind's environment is analogous to the physical space where you do your best work. Guard this space vigilantly. Your mind needs to be free from clutter so that you can dream up a scenario of the positive outcome of your work, one so compelling it will continue to motivate you through the difficult stages of your work. When we are, uh, what's the word, Mm, nurturing an idea, And it might be too abstract or fuzzy for you to even put words around it. Um, And I know that you probably know that feeling, you know, when you, you can feel it, you can, you can feel an idea coming on, but you don't quite know how to express it yet. Um, It's actually quite a precious time because it hasn't been, you know, you haven't been able to share it with anyone yet. So it hasn't been uh, critiqued or criticized too early. It hasn't, you know, bumped up across, like I said, the constructs of the current reality, you know, what the law says we can and can't do and what the laws of physics (laughs) dictate as what's possible. Um, And, you know, we can sometimes be in a rush to just get it out there into the world and, and not actually give it the time to gain a little bit of strength and gain a little bit of integrity. Um, And what I mean by that is, I mean, you know, time spent in your imagination. So you can look at it from different angles and, and do the, hmm, that would be interesting if we were to do this and, and sort of that sort of contemplative solo brainstorming. Um, and I guess that is just, that is a part of creative thinking, right? So that brings us to the next page, which is um, exercise 2.1, preparing your mind for creative thinking. So step one, create a ritual. It's not just your brain doing the work, it's all of you. Create a ritual that sets up conditions where you can be at your best. I personally put on music that I know helps me do my best thinking and an aromatherapy oil diffuser to make my room smell good. These two things are triggers for the work I'm about to do. Create your own simple routine to set up your environment before you launch into your visualisation. It doesn't need to be complicated and multifaceted. In fact, the quicker and easier it is, the better. So some people, you know, I think I'm not going to remember any of the names, um, but there are some, 
you know, biographies written of really famous writers who literally could write inspirational prose anywhere. (laughs) They just needed basically, you know, a pencil and a piece of paper and they weren't so um, uh, reliant on setting up their environment so that they could be creative. You know, they could be creative in, um, in any context. And I know that there's a lot of people who are like that. And some people are really well supported by a carefully curated environment. And especially these days uh, where we're all working from home and we're undergoing a, I don't know what to call it, uh, Let's just use really simple words, big change um, in the way that we're used to working. Paying attention to what sorts of environments support you in being able to do this type of work, especially creative thinking, um, is something that's really important to pay attention to so that you can then recreate it and um, do amazing work. Um, Step two, remove current cluttering thoughts. Write down the thoughts that distract you before you begin and as you continue your work. This removes them from your head so you can keep focusing on the task. I will give you a very specific example, <laughs> which just happened yesterday for me. I, uh, I wanted to sit down and do some writing and some drawing. There was a job that I needed to do outside, which was basically to pick up a whole bunch of leaves and flowers that had dropped off a, what a beautiful plant that we've got in our front yard that had dropped all over the footpath and people were stepping over it and all this sort of stuff. So I'd made a mental note in the morning, oh, I better get out and do that. And I just hadn't got around to it. And I'm trying to drop into flow. I'm trying to just get into my groove. I've got the aromatherapy happening. I've got my music on. <laughs> I just kept on thinking about these flowers that were on the footpath. So um, I just went and did it. It took me five minutes, but I just, because it was just causing so much clutter in my mind. Um, and it is a fine line between being distracted by menial tasks like that and actually getting the job done. But I knew in that situation, if I didn't just get it done, I would just be sitting there was spinning my wheels and it's this very similar thing with thoughts you know sometimes you've got a to-do list and you you're constantly reminding yourself I've got to remember to do this and I've got to get back to that person and da, da, da. and if you have a beautiful productivity process set up where you capture all of those things that's fantastic <laughs> um, but if you're like me and you're a little bit haphazard with that sort of stuff one of the things that I find really important is to just sit for a bit and connect with all of those thoughts that I know are going to bother me in my creative thinking and my creative work and I just write them down and get them out there. So that's a very long story about step two. Step three, there's only four steps, um, prime your mind. So go through your insights, read some inspirational material to inspire yourself, start drawing or sketching some ideas that come to you immediately without thinking about them and away you go. Work quickly and freely. You can always go back over your work and sense make later. I tend to like um, getting thoughts out of my head and um, onto a piece of paper so that I can sort of see them or you know onto my iPad or whatever app I'm using and you know sometimes I draw to do that and sometimes I just write the point that I want to make here is that priming your mind and um, inspire you you know reading some inspirational material to inspire yourself and then to start working quickly doesn't need to look like you know drawing and illustration and and mind mapping and stuff like that it's it's whatever 
comes naturally to you, whatever way that you use to be able to sense make, to be able to bring um, disparate pieces of information together that you can see new patterns, new combinations of, of data and how they build on each other and create a story and a narrative. During this type of thinking um, where you're still generative and you're looking for ideas and looking for what those interesting insights might be, it helps to not be too concerned with accuracy and precision and looking for causal links between things at this point. Like this is me, I think, trying to signal that uh, creative thinking goes really well with your intuition. You know, when you just go with the flow and write down the first thing that comes to mind and work at pace and not worry too much about if it's, you know, spelt correctly or grammatically accurate and all of that kind of stuff. You know, in my experience, you can access some some thinking that otherwise is hidden from view. Um, so that's the that's the take home point there actually around priming your mind. And finally, higher mind bounces. Oh my gosh, I remember the drawing that I did. I'm kind of happy that that didn't make it into the book actually. Uh, step four: higher mind bounces. Imagine you have bouncers who stop negative, critical, or fear based thoughts from entering your mind. This requires a vigilant awareness of the thoughts you're allowing into your mind and the thoughts you are channeling out. Redirect the negative thoughts to your hand and write them down. This stops them from making their way into the creative space you have just created in your mind. After a while, these destructive thoughts will stop trying to get in. Now, if you're listening and you have no idea what I'm talking about, that is so awesome. (laughs) And for those of you who are listening and kind of go, oh, yeah, I need a couple of those mind bounces. It's basically the, the really noisy critic, uh, critical voice that uh, tends to, I don't know, for me at least, um, sorry, <laughs> I've just got this visual of someone stepping up onto a platform with a with a microphone and you know the gain on the speaker stand up really loud and it's distorting and stuff it's like ahem you know tap 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 (laughs) on the microphone um and then it's just sort of you know a constant play-by-play on yeah do you think that idea is do you think they'll fly I think yeah maybe maybe that's a little bit too extreme maybe you need to pair it back a bit or you know, um, I don't understand how this is even remotely useful or um, that looks really crappy or, you know, just all of that. And um, I've really had to create a discipline to be able to um, A, be aware of when that's happening and then also to do something about it. And um, this book is literally me sharing with you things that I have experienced to work. So, um take it or leave it uh, but certainly worked for me um and I think so that is page um 53 I think we'll leave it there um thank you for listening I um hope you're finding this uh helpful and uh useful and entertaining um I'm noticing I'm I am finding it entertaining Uh, I don't know what that says about me Um, but I look forward to being here reading through the next one and hopefully you'll listen to it next week or whenever you do thanks for listening and uh, talk soon see you